Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Restoring Righteousness, and my author who joins me from the Northeast in the United States of America is author Leonard J. Knorr. Welcome, sir, to the program. Uh, good morning. Thank you. My pleasure. I, I noticed in your notes that you have a background or, or had a study time of uh, of that of a counselor. Is that something you pursued all of your life, or is it something that came later? It's something that came later. Uh, I uh, had a career as a registered nurse, uh, which um, uh, lasted for 37 years, and during that time I... Uh, was looking to uh, go into Christian counseling, and I took a master's degree at Biblical Theological Seminary in Hatfield, Pennsylvania, in 1997. Wow! Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's an amazing uh, change of pace, I think. Although there are a lot of sick sick people that need counseling for sure. Uh, how long were your studies? Were they a number of years, or or how did that uh, how did that did you did you go into counseling after that? Well, if I had done it for uh, full-time, uh, I could have done it in two years, but because I had a family to support, um, I could only go at it part-time, so it took me five years to complete it. Five years to complete, and the, the introduction to your book, you say that um, although America has never been truly a Christian nation, you, you kind of cut to the core of, of what you're possibly the title of your book is referring to. Your book is uh, generally, would you say it's designed for people who have a, a, a faith or Christian or ministry background? Um, I started out to write a uh, book for Christian counselors, but as it evolved, I realized that it uh, could also be very useful to uh, believers, and it might also be of some interest to uh, unbelievers who are considering the claims of Christ. Well, as a as a resident of the Northeast, now I've lived for a short period of time in New York State, and I don't know, it's been a number of years ago, but there wasn't a lot of uh, warm and fuzzy feeling towards Christianity and uh, faith people. Uh, are you finding that to be the case today? Uh, yes, uh, and uh, the uh, political environment uh, of our country, which is characterized by the political correctness movement, uh, is also uh, made it worse in many ways. Uh, uh, for example, Christians who uh, will not endorse uh, uh, a woman's right to abortion, say, or homosexuality or homosexual marriage are generally considered uh, bigots and uh, are uh, ostracized for it. Well, you're you're dealing with a, a tough subject in some regards because you, in your title, re, refer to it as restoring righteousness. Where do you feel that, uh, I guess, the Christian faith or or society has strayed from the general tenets of righteousness? And describe righteousness for me. What is your definition of that? Okay, well, I don't so much have a definition uh, of it, but uh, uh, what... I, 
well, as I read the Bible, it speaks of righteousness in five ways. The first is the righteousness as an attribute of God, which means that what God is defines righteousness. And the second is righteousness as expressed in God's moral law, particularly uh, the uh, Old Testament law and the Decalogue. Uh, the uh, third one is what's called forensic righteousness. And this is the act by which God, acting in his capacity as the judge of the universe, judicially pronounces a person to be righteous uh, based upon the uh, his acceptance of the uh, substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, the uh, fourth uh, way it speaks of righteousness is practical righteousness. That is living a life that is conformed both in terms of your inner thought life and your emotions and also in your external life and your words and your actions with the righteousness of God. And the fifth way is the Bible speaks of faith as righteousness as well. I go into all of these in my book. This uh, must have taken a while to complete. You have 200 pages or so, and uh, it it is very uh, thorough, and it's uh, descriptive of uh, of your approach to, to understanding Scripture and understanding a foundation of faith. How long did it take, Leonard, to complete? It took me 10 years. Uh, I, didn't, I am not aware of any other book like this one that's ever come out, and I had no references, really, uh, to consult. I had to start from scratch uh, going back to the Bible and studying uh, everything I could find on the subject of righteousness. Uh, And uh, the only uh, real uh, external reference that I had uh, that was used for more than just simply to illustrate a point I was making was an epistemological model uh, found in uh, the book The Doctrine of the Knowledge of God by John Frame. It was used with modifications uh, with his approval. Oh, you've even brought up some uh, well-known names like H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and uh, Dr. Robert Goddard, who is the experimental, uh, I guess, the uh, go-to guy when it comes to rocketry and, and, and that type of thing. Where do they fit into your story? Okay, well, uh, in John Frame's model that I set up, basically man in living out his life has to deal with three areas of truth. The first one is what I call existential truth. And what that refers to is what man is like uh, internally in terms of his thoughts, his intentions, his desires, his emotions, everything. And this area of truth is apprehended through uh, philosophical and uh, uh, psychological studies and introspection and considering yourself and what uh, uh, it is uh, that uh, drives you. The second area of truth is what I call situational truth, and that's truth about the uh, universe that we live in, that God's placed us in. And uh, and that includes uh, uh, all those uh, disciplines uh, that are uh, studied uh, through academic uh, uh, processes. Uh, it includes not only the natural sciences, but also history, anthropology, everything around us uh, in the external world that comes in on us. Uh, and the third uh, area of truth, and the most important, is what I call normative truth. This is uh, uh, truth.
ethical truth, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is what uh, shapes our lives. And for a Christian, the only appropriate uh, source of normative truth is uh, God and his directive word, the Bible. And to put, to put it another way, existential truth informs man of what he wants to do. Situational truth informs uh, him as to what he can do, but normative truth informs him as to what he ought to do, to put it simply. Well, very good. You have, I would also call them, some diagrams or sketches in your book. Were you the the creator of those, or did those come from other sources? Uh, I was the creator of them. Wonderful. These will help the the reader. I, I'm guessing the reason not only to uh, to break up the the writing style, but also to give them some direction. Uh, did that take an additional amount of time? Do you have a background in sketching and art, or how did that come about? Well, it's something I had to teach myself. I don't have a formal background in art. Uh, I am something of an amateur artist, uh, that, uh, and uh, that went with my... Uh, I also took a degree in biology before I went into nursing, and uh, uh, my lab assignments often required a certain amount of drawing uh-huh. of the things I worked with. Wonderful. Well, how would you describe the writing style? I, I, you you talk about a, a, some very deep subjects. Uh, I would say in in w- the way you've described your book, is this uh, an, an approach written style wise that uh, oh, a young person, a, a young adult would would feel comfortable with in studying it and uh, using it as a reference point? Uh, well, it basically reflects the. Um, uh, type of style uh, that you would see from a man of the late 20th, early 21st century who was college educated. Uh, but I didn't set out to write a um, an academic or theological thesis so much as I did a practical guide to what righteousness is and uh, how we uh, go about first obtaining it and then cultivating it in our lives. And uh, one of the problems that I've often seen in teaching, Bible teaching and preaching, uh, is uh, that uh, there is no real connection uh, between what Dr. Francis Schaeffer called the upper story, uh, the things of heaven, mm-hmm. and the lower story, the things of earth. Christ uh, prayed that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, but the problem is how do we get his directions that he sends from heaven through his word and actually put them into practice here on earth because heaven is run by God's law and uh, the world that we live in is not uh, in subjection to God. It's in rebellion against God and it operates by its own set of rules. And so we're anyone who seeks to live righteously is in conflict with that. Uh, and uh, so how do, you, how do you go about then living out the righteousness of God in uh, this wor- world here. That's the problem. Oh, would you call that uh, that challenge of taking the complex and making it simple, would that be one of the most challenging parts of putting your book into print? Yes. Uh, you have to put it in terms that people can understand. Uh, whenever I had to use academic terms, I tried to explain them, what they meant, uh, so that people who 
uh, aren't uh, conversant in uh, that jargon would understand that uh, wherever possible, though I tried to avoid it. Beautifully done. The title of the book, again, is Restoring Righteousness by author Leonard J. Knorr, K-N-O-R-R. Leonard, where can my listeners get copies of your book? Well, they can be ordered directly through Author House, or they can go online to Amazon.com and uh, order it through them. Excellent. And if they do a search under your name, uh, is there anything else as far as uh, publications that may be coming in the future? Are you working on any any future books? Uh, Yes, I've got two others that I've been uh, picking away at, uh, (laughs) uh, but it's... uh, probably not going to be any time soon. Uh, uh, one is uh, I also taught uh, high school biology uh, during one phase of my career at a Christian school, and one of the things I had to deal with was the subject of environmental ethics. And uh, we were using secular textbooks, so I had to uh, develop a biblical environmental ethic. And I presented that uh, at the ACSI um, convention in Washington, D.C. in, uh, what was it, 2004, I believe it was. And uh, it was very well received. uh, And uh, the assistant principal of uh, the school that I taught at, who was there, encouraged me to uh, try and expand that as a book. And I've been working on that uh, here and there, but... uh, uh, since uh, I work uh, full-time as a registered nurse until recently, I haven't had that much time to devote to it. I'm hoping to pick up on it a little bit more. There you have it. Author Leonard Knorr will have other publications in the near future, probably, so you can do a search under his name, Leonard J. Knorr, K-N-O-R-R, and uh, not only find this book, Restoring Righteousness, but perhaps uh, maybe something in the near future. So congratulations on completing this and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me, sir. Honored to visit with you. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled. And just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of the book is Sermonettes for a Sunday Morning. And joining me from New York State, near New York City in the United States, is Pastor Novella Harris, who is the author. Welcome, Pastor. 
Thank you. Welcome to you as well. This is a, an interesting book because I don't know if you've written other books, but this one is 328 pages. Uh, you have a, a list of accomplishments in education and uh, leadership all over the board, something to be admired just on its own. And then you decided to be an author and, and share uh, these sermonettes. Uh, what is a sermonette, and why did you write the book? A uh, sermonette is a brief sermon. Um, I am a pastor uh, at Grace Cathedral, and about four years ago, approximately, I became suddenly very ill. I was bedridden. I had to have people help take care of me, uh, which was shocking because I, as a young person, I was could get it considered maybe ADHD. I was all over the place. So, <laughs> right. So to suddenly lose my um, independence was uh, horrible. And so I couldn't preach. I couldn't teach. I couldn't do anything. I was actually in bed for a few years. And so wow. I decided to write sermonettes for the congregation every Sunday morning, and they were placed in the bulletin, and someone would read them for me. And um, I decided to, when I saw that it was life was heading me, what I considered at that point a sour lemon, I decided to make lemonade from it and write the sermonette. Well, it's fabulous. Uh, again, there's about 96 in here, and I think any one of them uh, could be read by some non-inspired pastor who didn't have anything to say and uh, probably accomplish a great deal. Which of the sermonettes do you think uh, maybe comes uh, closest to being from your heart and um, maybe the one that stands out to you and may stand out to the reader? Oh, why? There's so many. I think I relate to so many of them uh, in terms of what I was going through. One I can particularly relate to is a Moses breakdown. Mm. Even as a pastor, when you're going through uh, uh, this series of illness and all the stages that I went through, and I could say I went through uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, every time I faced a new turn in the illness, I went through a depression. And I thought, you know, wow, as a pastor spiritually, uh, am I supposed to experience depression? Mm -hmm. And then I'd be... To research Moses and Job and uh, Elijah, and every one of them went through that phase. And I was like, wow, this is not something new. And Christians should not feel ashamed if they feel that they've come into a state of, uh, you know, near, I don't want to say depression, because we don't like to say that, because we know God is everything, but we're human as well. And we have human emotions. And I experienced that. And I think that is the most telling of my sermons at that point in my life. And, and as a pastor, it, it would be very difficult to uh, to reach out and look for assistance. Also, you mentioned you were bedridden. I'm certain that that uh, brought some, uh, some, some startling changes to you on an emotional level. But it also isolated you from uh, people contact. You've always been a people person, obviously, as a teacher and instructor and, and several other accomplishments you've had, including uh, being listed in the who's who of America and, and other areas. You uh, were uh, used to being around people. Did you feel isolated uh, over a long period, and and if so, how did that uh, how did that work itself out? Wow! Yes, I was isolated on a number of levels because as a pastor, you don't want to admit to your congregation that hey, I'm at a place now where I've taught people like you know God is a healer; He can lift you up, and mm-hmm. now I'm in that position. So who do I call upon and uh, to um, understand 
where I'm at now, and I believe God took me there so that I could be more understanding of people who are in that position. So I was very limited in my support group, and uh, all of my children were grown and out of the house, and, and my husband as a bishop was gone all of the time. I had to learn to totally, really rely on God and, and try to um, assist myself as best I could until I was able to make a breakthrough with a couple of the members uh, in the congregation who came to assist at some point. Uh, yeah, it was very difficult because you're, as a public person and a person who has uh, taught people on a certain level and to find yourself now, I'm dependent, it was difficult to reach out for assistance. Right. It was not pride. It was that how do I now, one who has taught people that God can keep you up, I am down. I, I fought with that a lot. There, there are a lot of people who have been in ministry. I am uh, associated or have been uh, obser- observing many who have been in, in ministry. When they make an error or have a health crisis or something else, instead of it inspiring them or them getting through it, sometimes they go the other direction and just give up. You are obviously a fighter. This is a, this is a book that, that uh, took some time to complete. How many years did it or how many weeks was it before this book was uh, was in its entirety uh, as it is now today? Well, uh, the sermonettes were not a problem because those are half of my sermons that I've preached at that 95. I've got a, probably another 95 uh, sermons that I haven't even touched. Uh-huh. But that's not the problem. I think the problem for me was editing it for publication, you know, making sure, you know, with not any plagiarism and all of that sort of thing and, you know, the grammar and everything was intact for the publishers to publish. And that took about maybe a month, hmm. a little more than a month. There wasn't much tweaking to do, um, but just to make sure that there were no errors and everything was fine-tuned, it took about a, maybe a month. The inspiration behind it, uh, obviously, was to uh, tell your story indirectly, but also to inspire others. Why Why? Do you think uh, this will do so, and and who do you think is going to benefit most by reading your book? What inspired me was to write it. I my, really, my husband, he said, "You have all these sermons laying around. You know, you ought to do something with it." And I said, "You know, that's right. I think I'll try and put it into a book." You know, that I have to give him a little credit for that. <laughs> um, well, as as a husband and guy, uh, thank you for giving us some credit. <laughs> Uh, he'd like to hear that. Yes, he did. Um, and he was very encouraging with it as well. Um, how would I... Um, well, that, I believe that today's men and women are, are becoming more acutely aware that there's a, a thirst and a deep need for a new dimension of worship. And I learned a new dimension of worship through my illness. Um, I became more uh, intimate with God because I had to. You couldn't really rely on people, and in the position as a pastor, you you really couldn't share a lot with uh, people because it, you didn't want to be considered, a, you know, weak or mm. yet. So I became more intimate with God, and that uh, a whole new sense of worship came into my life with the prayers, and and as I began to put these sermonettes uh, in print for the book. Um, I noticed some yeah. of the some of the some of the titles, the sermonettes titles or chapter titles, uh, are 
I would say, uh, you know, interesting just in themselves. Uh, sermon at number one is "Stuff Happens in the Garden." Uh, that's a, a, a catchy, a catchy title. Uh, you have one called "Such and Such." Where did these uh, creative ideas for titles come from? You know what? I can say that I could uh, maybe watch a play or read a book or hear someone speak, and a word will jump out at me. And I'm like, wow, I like that. I think I can write a sermon from that. <laughs> mm. you, know, you know, I'll watch a t- television program. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I can make a sermon out of that. And I, that's my focus. And then maybe things I experience and I'm going through at the time, and I'm like, oh, I've had enough of this. Enough of enough. Enough is enough. Mm. And reading about David and the such and such uh, came because so many people think that, um, you know, oh, I've got a car, I've got a house. But God said, I can give you that plus such and such, which is more than what you've even asked for. Beautiful. And so those topics came from a variety of sources, uh, experiences that I experienced. I, I, I love I'm sorry. Yeah. I love I love the title of uh, of number five, "Heavy Baggage: Surviving on Broken Pieces." That that just in itself brings out a whole wide range of ideas and thoughts and inspiration. Uh, yes, yes, because I had to survive on broken pieces. Because when you find yourself ill, or even if it, my circumstances was illness, but there are people who are in financial difficulties or relationship difficulties, you're broken. But you can survive. You have to, you can take a piece of that brokenness and go forward and progress just on a piece of broken boards, as Paul did in, uh, you know, when he was th- when they were thrown over from the ship when the ship was sinking and everybody escaped to the island on broken pieces. You can make it, even if you're broken. You can make it on the piece that you have left in your life. Well, those are some inspiring thoughts right now. I guess I'll need to take up the offering. Um, now, you have a, a great book. This is inspiring. Do you think that uh, those who are not churchy will also find some benefit in reading the thoughts and, and the inspiring background of your story? I, I think yes, yes, because people are searching for answers. They're searching for uh, release and relief from uh, the things that they're going through in life, and and just having maybe finances or whatever, it's not enough. And so they turn to alcohol, to drugs, to other things to get relief from the pressures of life. And I want my book to inspire them also that God is your release. God is your relief. And if you turn to him and you begin to worship him and and, and become intimate with him in your relationship with him, not so much with other people or church, but an intimate personal relationship with God. That's what we need to develop. Uh, So many people think that just being in church is enough, and that isn't, and that maybe uh, temporary release from uh, drugs or alcohol or pills, that can do it only temporarily. But I know that once you become intimate with God, once you get that worship and that uh, relationship with him, that he brings all types of peace that surpass all understanding. And you can cope. You can manage. And once you begin to cope, he will give you the initiative and the ideas and the desires to move forward, like I said, on your broken peace, and that we can realize that you're not out there alone, that God is there, and he will send someone that will support you. Trust me, he will. 
and understand where you are. Um, just as an afterthought, one of the things I did learn in that illness was that I was able to minister to caretakers, people who were taking care of uh, family members who were uh, terminally ill and the pressures that they were going through. I understood that when a patient or a person that's ill lashes out, it's not at you, it's at that circumstance. Mm. And because you're the one that's there and the closest, you may get the brunt of what they're feeling. And so don't take it personally because they're appreciative, but they're frustrated. So I was able to minister to the caretaker as well as the patient. So I learned a lot in terms of that period of my life when I was writing the sermonettes and going through my illness. God taught me so many things that I can pass on. For listeners, you can tell by her conversation there's a lot of inspiration behind what she says and certainly some uh, motivation in the style of her writing. The title of the book, again, is Sermonettes for a Sunday Morning. My author from New York State and New York City area is Pastor Novella Harris. Pastor Harris, where can my listeners get a copy of this? My book is on Amazon. Uh, and it's at Barnes & Noble, and they can get it from Author House, the publisher of Author House. Very good. They can also, if they go to their local bookseller, they can request it by name. And uh, yes. pastors, teachers, other people involved in religious ministry, you may want to get a copy of this and uh, maybe um, use some of the notes to prepare for some of your speaking engagements. Pastor Harris, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Honored to visit with you for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment. It's Believe it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night or snoring. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts... The title of the book, Shut the Door on Yesterday, and the writer, Agnes Martin. She joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Agnes. Hello. Great to have you with us, Agnes. Now, you've written poems, you've written your experiences, even your religious experiences about your life in your book, Shut the Door on Yesterday. So tell us a little bit about why you did this, how this book came about. Well, always being a worker, I was been working until I retired. My last job is about uh, it was uh, I was an assistant teacher 
with the Fresno Unified School District. And when I retired, um, I went on a mission for the church, a free mission, I mean, volunteer, volunteer work. And um, everything was fine. I loved, I loved it. Uh, I, I met a lot of people. I got to help the church, and it was nice. It was a very nice experience. What happened is that I, I got, I got ill. I got an illness, and so I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do this mission anymore. I, they sent me, the church sent me back home to rest. So. Because I am such an active person, I I was restless. So I began to just try little thoughts and uh, little experiences about my illnesses and that. And then I started I, I started to to write more and more, and I, I I realized that it was a profound experience, and it was helping me to regain my strength, my memory, and uh, so I continue until. Like I told you before, uh, one of my sons gave me the idea to to finish the book, to continue writing until I had enough pages to look for a publisher, and that and I did it. I, I that's what I did. Well, why don't we take a, a break in discussing all the things about your book and have you share with us the poem "Shut the Door on Yesterday," a poem that means a lot to you. Yeah, it does mean a lot to me because that's exactly what I did. I shut the door on yesterday, its sorrows and mistakes. I had many sorrows and I made many mistakes. Uh, sometimes the world seemed very gloomy. <laughs> My past failures and gave me heartaches. So everything in the poem reflects my life experience in a very poetic way. Why don't you continue on? Okay. I. You want me to read the whole point? Please. And now I throw the key away to seek another room and furnish it with hope and smiles and every springtime bloom. No thoughts shall enter this about that has a hint of pain. And every malice and distrust shall never therein reign. I shut the door on yesterday and thrown the key away. Tomorrow holds no doubt for me since I have found today. Well, that does sum it up. That does sum up a life, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. That's why I told you that because of this religious experience at this point, I have found today. I really found today when I had the religious experience. That's why it was important to talk about this. So how did your life change so much, as you put it, with the grace of God? Because it was through the grace of God. Uh, it's all in the book. <laughs> but it was... Uh, I have been away from church for some time. I'm a Catholic and I uh, have grown up Catholic and my family was is Catholic and uh, I used to go to church with my grandmother. So I was very much involved in the church until I decided to just not go anymore. One of my brothers invited me to accompany him and uh, and I did. 
and uh, when I heard when I heard the word being proclaimed, when I heard the the word of the of the Lord, like they said at the end of the readings, they always said the word of the Lord, and I and I I heard that it was the word of the Lord talking to me, talking to me to change my life and not to make so many mistakes anymore. And I did. That's when I did it. When I, because I heard it in my heart. I heard that God wanted me to do this, to live the good life. Well, we all make wrong decisions from time to time, but you're saying that nothing is impossible with God and also that the church, there's a lot of wisdom at church. Yes. Yes, that's what I said. Nothing is impossible for God. That's my motto in life now. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for God. Well, the the writing of this book, I'm sure, really was uh, therapeutic in many ways. Well, I think that... I think that uh, when you put your thoughts in writing and you read them again, it makes more sense. So if it makes more sense to you, then it's therapeutic in a way. Yeah, you're right. And you're going to write some more. Yes. Now, and uh, I see, not, I cannot stop writing now <laughs> <laughs> because I have so much fun. I have so much fun writing. So it's been a very fulfilling experience looking back and then even looking forward. In a way, in a way, yes. Because when you when you enter in the in the in the faith, when you start receiving this faith from the church, you realize that the forward is easier because there's there is a there's someone in control, not just you. So somebody is Someone is guiding you in the church for the future. So there is hope for the future when we put our trust in God? Amen. You said it. You said it better than I. (laughs) Well, I think we all, deep down, even those who say they don't believe, but I think, I just can't imagine deep down if they're really honest with themselves there's a feeling there wouldn't you say that yes I would well I I asked uh, somebody one day uh, somebody that told me that he didn't believe in God and I asked him excuse me just a minute can you make a banana can you make a banana a banana is something simple. Can you make it? When you're hungry, go ahead, make a banana and eat it. <laughs> they said, no, I cannot make a banana. I said, well, then God can. God can make a banana. Right. <laughs> I never seen something to think about. <laughs> Uh, you did. You very well put. Yes, you gave him a lot to think about. <laughs> well, Agnes, Agnes Martin, she is the writer of her book, Shut the Door on Yesterday. What's the best way, Agnes, to get your book? 
Well, it's being published, I believe, uh, you can download it from Amazon.com on Merch and Join us again for also. Christian Living. But you can also just uh, drive the name or the title in the computer and download it. And you can purchase it in the computer. Well, we thank you so much, Agnes, for joining us on Author Talk. Thank you very much for calling me.